You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. So this week we've had a, a week of prayer, and uh, I had a wonderful time. I don't know about you, but it's been electric. Sometimes you might hear the word week of prayer and think that nothing could be more boring than a week of prayer. But it really has been a fantastic week. We've had a number of gatherings here. We've scattered across this area to pray. Lots of different ways we've been uh, calling out to God together. We had a wonderful time just uh, calling out to God, asking that he would do something extraordinary in this town, that he would do something extraordinary through this church, that he would, uh, he would help us and give us wisdom as we seek to serve this town and those in need, that he would help us to reach the nations from this church that he would cause us to shine in many ways. Not for our sake, but for the sake of people coming to know and see Jesus, for, for who he really is, this one that we've been singing about this morning. And as we were praying that um, God would help us to shine, I was, I was drawn to Philippians chapter 2, which is a wonderful part of the Bible where the Apostle Paul, who wrote that letter to this church in Philippi, he, he's explained to them that Jesus humbled himself, that he was found in the appearance of a man, that he took the, the form of a servant, he took the place of a servant and laid down his life for us. He was obedient to his father, even to the point of dying a, a, an awful death on the cross. And after he's, after he's written these incredible poetic words about Jesus' death for us, he says this, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you might be blameless and pure children of God, without fault, in a in a warped, crooked generation, so that you might shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. This is how we shine, Hope Church. We we can shine in the way in which we have hearts that are full of gratitude. And I want to speak this morning about. Gratitude. My, my message is called Grateful or Grumbling. One of the ways in which we're going to stand out is by the way we have hearts that are full of joy and thanksgiving and not full of grumbling and complaining. I don't know about you, but I, I can easily find myself grumbling. I can easily find myself thinking things haven't gone my way. They haven't gone as I hoped they would go. Someone's not treated me the way that I felt they should treat me. Or someone said something off to me, and I can find myself grumbling. Maybe this week you found yourself grumbling about the weather. We, ca- like, we cannot win in this country, can we? If, you, if, you're not, uh, if you've not lived in this country for long, welcome to our country, where it can be 35 degrees and unbearably hot one day, and literally the next day it can be 17 degrees and not stop raining all day. Welcome. It's good to have you here. <laughs> We could be grumbling about the weather. We could be grumbling about politics. might be for you that this is the best week ever for you. It might be that this week you'd be thinking, oh, what is going on in our country? You might be grumbling in some ways. You might be grumbling about your work, thinking, oh, my boss is such a nightmare. I wish I didn't have to work for him or her. Or my colleagues are just so lazy. You might be grumbling about your family. You might be grumbling about your children, thinking, I wish they weren't like they were like. I wish they were different. I wish... We can be those that grumble and we can find ourselves, sometimes not even verbalizing it, we can kind of find ourselves wallowing in in wrong thinking, in in all kinds of self-pity. And listen, that is very unstar-like. We won't shine 
in this dark world. We won't shine in this dark world if we are people who are full of grumbling, if we're those that are complaining. We will actually stand out in this world if we are people who are full of gratitude and joy and trust in God rather than grumbling and fear and all kinds of self-pitying. When we think about it, it's actually quite ridiculous if we know Jesus here, it's quite ridiculous that we would be people who grumble when we consider all that we deserve and all that we have. When we think about all that we, all that we really deserve and we think about all that we have, it's ludicrous that we would grumble. It would, it's ludicrous that we'd grumble even in hardship. How unattractive grumbling is, how very unstar-like, how very ordinary. But let me... Let me make you feel a little bit less bad about yourselves just for a moment. And I want to show you that in the Bible, there are people who are like, just like us. And people in the Bible who saw God do extraordinary things, and yet they still grumbled. And we're just going to spend a little bit of time looking at this story in the book of Exodus, which details the people of God exiting the nation of Egypt. They were in slavery to this superpower, Egypt. A huge nation, Israel, were in slavery. And God, through many miracles, freed them from oppression in this nation. God raised up Moses and said, I want you to be the person who leads my people out of slavery. And Moses would go to Pharaoh, who's the leader of the nation, say, you're going to let my people go. And Pharaoh would say, no. And so God sent plagues. He sent things upon the nation of Egypt And Pharaoh's resolve was not wavering. And then finally, he said, okay, you can go. And Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt. And they come to a sea. And suddenly, they they learn that Pharaoh's actually changed his mind. He'd quite like this, uh, this massive slave army to be back in his nation. And so he sends his armies to follow them. And they're faced with a sea and behind them, a pursuing army. And then God suddenly opens up the sea, and they walk right through it on dry ground. And just as the army of Egypt are pursuing them, the sea comes back over them, swallowing up the enemy, and the people of Israel walk free. But now, a few weeks later, they find themselves in the desert. And this is where we pick the story up in chapter 16. Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elim and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin. It's an interesting name for a wilderness between Elim and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and we ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. There was absolutely no doubt that God had delivered the people of Israel through incredible miracles. They could have been left in no doubt that it was God who was doing it. These weren't an incredible set of like, coincidences. Suddenly there's like loads of frogs in the land and suddenly there's locusts everywhere. Suddenly the whole uh, river is filled with blood. These are not a set of circumstances that people would say, this is, a con- this is just a coincidence. These are some freak of, freaks of nature that happen every you know, 100 years. No, they had no doubt that God had delivered them 
And then they found themselves in a, in a time of testing. And instead of being full of gratitude and trust in God, that actually he would, he's got them that far that he wasn't going to let go of them now, they actually found themselves grumbling, complaining, and murmuring. There's no water, Moses. Where's the, where's the beef, Moses? Are we nearly there yet? They were impatient for the promised land that God had for them. They were, they were not full of, of joy and gratitude. They were full of, of misery and mistrust and fear. They, had, they were experiencing sp- spiritual amnesia. Spiritual amnesia had set in. They had forgotten. They would taken their eyes off what God had done for them. We're all prone to this in so many ways. We're prone to spiritual amnesia. We're prone to forgetting God's deliverance in our lives. We're prone to forgetting his provision for us. That maybe time and time and again, I'm sure for all of us here who have walked with God for some time, he has come through for us in some ways. When we've called out to him, he's provided for us. And the people of Israel, on the back of some unthinkable miracles, were now having the temerity to grumble at their their less than five-star accommodation. This wasn't just lack of sleep. It wasn't just hunger. They weren't hangry. Who gets hangry here? You know, with no other reason, you're just feeling cross because you need some food. This wasn't what was going on here. They'd lost sight of what God had done for them. And in their hearts, they thought, I know better than God. In their hearts, they said to themselves, I would do a better job at running the world than God. Their heart response wasn't faith, it was fear. It wasn't trust, it was control. It wasn't joy and gratitude, it was misery and grumbling. But listen, it wasn't really grumbling towards Moses and Aaron. It was actually directed to God. Grumbling, whining and thanklessness are not ultimately the heart's response to our circumstances, but to God. That's ultimately what's going on when we grumble. We're grumbling towards God. Not grumbling about our circumstances, we're actually complaining that God isn't doing what we want him to do. When we read that passage in Philippians right at the beginning, the Apostle Paul says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. And that word arguing in the original language in which that letter was written, which was Greek, is actually more about kind of thought life arguing, not arguing with other people about sport or, you know, our preferences. No, it's like a thought life thing, that we'd be arguing with God, kind of like the inner lawyer within us saying, God, it shouldn't be like this. God, you should be doing things differently. Our, our grumbling is not directed at our circumstances, but at God, really. And when we get like that, it's because spiritual amnesia has set in. We've forgotten or we've lost sight of what God has done for us, that he's redeemed us, that he's, he's rescued us from slavery, and that we've got much to be thankful for. We've got so much to be thankful for. We forget that God is trustworthy and that he has our best in mind, even when we are confused, that he has our very best in mind. Spiritual amnesia is a disease that it threatens our faith, it threatens our joy in God. Grumbling is such a, it's such a horrible disease. It penetrates to the core. It can rot us from within if we don't keep it in check. What does God do here? What does God do in this situation? The people of God, they're complaining. He's taken them this far, and now they're complaining. Well, it's a bit like, I don't know if you're a, if you're a parent here, but it's a bit like you, you take your child to a really nice 
restaurant. And uh, you think this is such a great treat for them. They're going to have whatever they want to eat. And suddenly they have a tantrum. And they start screaming the place down. And you start to think, oh, I think everyone in the restaurant is watching us. It's because they are watching you. I don't know about you, but when I start hearing a screaming child, I'm watching what's going on. I want them to see how the parents are going to respond here. This child just completely not full of gratitude for uh, the fact that their parents have taken them out for a nice meal, but actually they're, they're, they're grumbling and complaining and screaming the place down. And as if things couldn't get any worse, they then swipe their plate off the table and onto the floor. And then everyone really, really, if, if there was anyone who wasn't looking by that point, they really are looking now. And they're wanting to think, well, what are the parents going to do? That's the big thought in your mind. What, how are they going to react here? What are they going to give them? Are they going to give them the discipline that they require right now? What's going to happen? Everyone's on tenterhooks. Well, really, when we look at this story here, we're on tenterhooks. How's God going to respond here? He's taken the people of Israel out of slavery. He's delivered them through many miracles. And now they're in the desert and they're starting to grumble. I wish we were back. I wish we were back in Egypt. We had it much better there. How they forgot. How they forgot what God had done for them. Well, let's see what God does, shall we? Let's read on in the story in Exodus 16. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to kill them all. No, he didn't say that. He said, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day they will gather food and when they prepare it there will be twice as much as usual. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, By evening you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. As if they could have had any doubt. In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaints which are against him, not against us. What have we done that you should complain about us? And then Moses added, The Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning. For he has heard all your complaints against him. What have we done? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. Just when God could have abandoned them there and then. Right, I've taken you out. of. I'm, I'm leaving you on your own now. You are just full of complaints. You're not grateful for what I've done. He could have said, right, that's it. You're on your own now. Good luck. No, he pours out mercy on them. He's a God of great mercy. He's slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love. That's what the Bible says again and again. He's slow to anger and he's full of compassion. He's full of grace. He's abounding in steadfast love. And he says, I'm going to give you food. I'm going to give you food every day. I'm going to give you provision from heaven. But he does something unexpected. He pours out just enough for each day. He's not going to let them store it up. Why? Because he wants them to go the next day and the next day and trust him that there would be enough waiting for them. That he would provide for them again and again. In that moment, he's trying to teach his people a new way of understanding his provision. That they would have to trust him every day. 
That seems pretty easy for me to grasp. But let's think about this for a minute. This nation was a nation that would have been in a very much an agricultural culture where there would be a season of harvest where they would gather in all of the crops and then they would then use that food for the rest of the year because food didn't grow all year round. So they wouldn't be used to this. They would be very accustomed to storing it up and then spreading it out over the year. And God's saying here, I'm not going to let you do that. You're going to go and gather just enough for today and then tomorrow you're going to walk up and trust me again that there will be enough. He's wanting to teach them to trust in his sovereign grace, that he is in charge, that he is in control, and that he loves them, and that he will sustain them. That they weren't just to say, God, I trust you one time, and then that be it. No, that they were to go again and again every day and say, God, I trust you that you're going to provide for me. Are they going to believe this, that God keeps his promises, or are they going to bow to fear and end up grumbling once again. Listen, if we, if we want to shine, if we want to be those that stand out in this dark world, then we have to be more and more devoid of grumbling, which really comes from not trusting God. We have to come to trust in Him and His character, even when the circumstances don't seem that great. And we need to be those that are thankful because we have far more than we deserve. We have far more than we deserve. Right now I've got two very sick parents. One's in hospital. We're going to go and visit him tomorrow. And I look at it and I think, this can't can't be right. This isn't fair. And I come back to remember, God, all that I have is a gift. All that they have is a gift. I have far more than I deserve. I've got so much to be thankful for. They have got so much to be thankful for. God is, he's too, he's too good to be unkind. Charles Spurgeon once said, this great preacher from the Victorian times, he said, God is too good to be unkind. He's too good to be unkind. He's too wise to be mistaken. And I love this. He says, when we cannot trace his hand, we must trust his heart. So when we look around in our circumstances, we can sometimes think, I don't know where your hand is here, God. I don't know what you're doing here. I don't understand. We can trust his heart. We can trust that he's good, that he's wise, that he's kind, that he's got our best in mind. How can we learn to trust him more? Well, we can become familiar with his ways. We can be in the word of God. We can see that God is a God who keeps his promises. How can we uh, learn to trust him more? Well, we can rejoice in and celebrate our salvation. If we've put our trust in him, we can celebrate this daily. We hold, firm, we hold firmly to the word of life that is Jesus. We say, Jesus, I thank you. I've got far more than I deserve. I thank you that you've lavished grace and love upon me. That you went to the cross for me. That you would go that far for me. That I can trust you even when I don't see your hand at work. Because you went that far for me. And we can then see our lives more and more uh, emptied of grumbling. Emptied of thinking, I deserve better. Emptied of thinking, God doesn't know what he's doing here. God hasn't got my best in mind. We can be thankful in all circumstances. This is God's will for us. 
This is God's will for you. You might be uh, caught up in uh, thinking, what is God's will for me? Is he going to send me to a particular place? Has he got a particular job for me to do? That's okay to think that. It's okay to pray that God will reveal that to you. Maybe he will. But the Bible is quite clear on what his will for us is. His will for us is this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for those who belong to Christ Jesus. That's really clear, isn't it? That's so clear. That's what he wants for us. He wants you to never stop praying. He wants you to be in constant communication with him, enjoying our birthright, which is walking with him. He wants you to be joyful in all circumstances. We can be joyful in all circumstances. That doesn't mean we kind of live on a cloud and pretend everything's okay. We don't sort of blot it, block out everything that's going wrong and sort of shut our ears and think, no, 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 it's all, it's all good. No, we can lament and, and, and grieve difficulty, but we always have reason to give thanks. We always have reason to give thanks to God. Amen. He's given us not just manna. He's not given us bread from the, from the heavens each day. No, he's given us the bread of life that is his son. That's what God has done for us. Jesus said in John chapter 6, he's in discussion with some Jewish people who knew this story very well. And he says, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Listen, Jesus Christ, he satisfies. Jesus Christ satisfies. Knowing him brings fullness of life. Nothing else brings fullness of life. Only knowing Jesus. Only knowing him. You might be in pursuit of all kinds of things to bring satisfaction. You might be in pursuit of relationships. You might be in pursuit of sex. You might be in pursuit of a good job that will pay well. You might be in pursuit of having people respect you and love you and say nice things about you. There is nothing that satisfies other than knowing Jesus Christ. I firmly believe that with all my heart. He has, he has brought me fullness of life when, where I was looking for other things. Where I was looking for all kinds of stuff that I thought would fulfill. And I have found that only Jesus satisfies. He is the true bread of life. He is the bread of life that God has sent. And if you have him, you will never be hungry again. If you walk with him, if you know him personally, you will never hunger for other things. You won't say, I need to have a relationship. I must, I must have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I must have loads of money. I must have a nice house. No, because when we have Jesus, we have everything we could possibly need. But I believe that with all my heart. He's the one who satisfies And Jesus came and he lived the perfect life. And he didn't have it easy. He said, I don't have a place to rest my head. He was homeless throughout his adult ministry, throughout his time ministry. He didn't have a place to live. His friends misunderstood him. His family misunderstood him. They ridiculed him at times before they realized who he really was. 
And then at the end of his life, his, one of his closest mates betrayed him in a, in a terrible way. Handed him over to the authorities to have him arrested and killed. His friends scattered and ran away in fear when he was arrested. And then on a cross, he died shamed, lonely, in agony. This is the bread of life, Jesus. And we see in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. He didn't threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He trusted God. He trusted God even on the cross, even when he had every reason to grumble, even when he had every reason to think life is not going the way I hoped it would go. He trusted God. He trusted God, the just God. He trusted him. And he was doing it for you and me. He was doing it for us that we might have our sins forgiven. He was doing it, friends, that he would draw us into relationship with God, the one that we were made to know, the one that we were made to walk with. This is what Jesus was doing for us. And you might think this morning or this afternoon, I have every reason to be disappointed with God. I've been dealt a bad hand in life. Things have not gone my way. If there is a God, then I don't want to know him. You might be thinking that right now. But listen, consider this. If life is an accident, if life is random, if this whole universe exists because of a random coming together of some particles, which many of you may have even kind of believed to be the truth, then surely it makes absolute sense that life is random, painful sometimes. But the fact that you're surprised at suffering, the fact that you're kind of, you see suffering as, uh, as some unwelcome guest in this world, I believe points to the fact that it was not meant to be like this. I believe it's a, a massive clue that life was not meant to be like this, that paradise has been lost, that because of our own turning away from God and turning to other things that we believe would satisfy, that paradise has been lost. I believe that your disappointment with life points to the fact that it was not meant to be like this. You were made to know God and walk with him. You were made to enjoy him. But because of us each going our own way, we've walked away from him. And and that relationship's been severed. And life feels like it's not quite full. But these verses in 1 Peter 2 that we've just read together go on to say this in verses 24 and 25. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. This is what Jesus came to do. Not just to forgive us, not just to uh, make us Uh, acceptable as it were, but to return us to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. That's what Jesus came to do, to bring you back into relationship with God for which you were made. And I want to offer you the opportunity in just a moment as I pray to make a response to God and to say, 
I want to return to you. That I have gone my own way. That I have gone after all kinds of things that I thought would satisfy. I want to give you that opportunity as I pray in just a moment to pray with me. And if you've, if you've prayed with me in your heart, the prayer that I'm going, to, I'm going to pray in a moment, I want to invite you to tell someone and to tell someone right after this service. Because this isn't a, we don't do this alone. We don't do this Christianity thing on our own. It's together that we do it. I want you to tell someone. Maybe you won't even come and tell me. We'd love to help you in your next steps. We're going to baptize someone next week, which I'm so excited about. You might want to get baptized next week also. And we would love to talk with you about that. If you've given yourself to God, if you said, I want to, be, I want to have my sins forgiven, I want to have my, my conscience cleansed, I want to come into relationship with the God of the universe, we would love to hear from you today. Let's stand together. We're going to sing. Lauren and Dom and the team are going to lead us in a final song in just a moment. But let me, let me lead us in a prayer right now. If you have never given your life to God, if you've never accepted what Jesus has done for you, then this is the opportunity right now that I want to just create. I'm going to pray and I want to invite you to pray in your heart with me. And then I'm going to and then I'm going to pray for us all. Let's just, let's just pray this together now. If, pray it in your heart, pray it in your head. Especially if you've never, ever done this before. God, I recognize that life hasn't always gone the way I wanted it to go. I've been disappointed at times with the way that my life has gone. And I recognize that I'm so surprised by this because it was never meant to be like this. And I know, and I've come to see, that I'm missing relationship with you. And Lord, that's what I want. I want to know you and walk with you. I want to know fullness of life that comes from knowing you. I want to give you my sin and my shame, all my wrong thoughts, my wrong actions, my wrong words. And I want to say today that I receive your forgiveness. I receive it for myself. And I want to live for you, God. I want to live for you in the light of all that Jesus has done for me. Amen. If you've prayed that, please do tell someone. Let me pray for us all now and then we're going to be led in worship as we draw things to a close. Father, I pray that we, as your people at Hope Church and all those visiting from elsewhere, pray, Lord God, that you would cause us to shine as we live lives that are full of thankfulness, that overflow with gratitude, that aren't lives of grumbling, arguing with you but their lives that are full of trust that you have our best in mind that are full of remembering and calling to mind all that you've done for us we want to shine like stars in this world which seems to be getting darker we want to shine like stars we want to hold firmly to the word of life we want to be those that are celebrating Jesus 
and all he's done for us. The word of life who came down for us. Help us to feed on this bread of life, this relationship that we have now. Help us to know fullness of life as we walk with you. May we shine for your glory in this town and wherever we live. May we shine, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way. 